There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of July 2010. As always, I suggest newcomers look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. I know this is monotonous for those who listen all the time, but there's always newcomers coming in who don't know. So look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find hundreds of audio talks I've given over the years for download. And all those sites you see listed there, bookmark them for future use. Sometimes you'll find sticking on download at the com, because all the people are going into it at one time. So you've got these alternate ones to choose from. Remember, all those sites have uh, the same audios. Uh, they all have transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into the site that's listed there, Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, and you can download the transcripts. Uh, from there in the language of their choice. And remember, too, to go into the books I've got for sale, the DVDs. Some of these, just remember, cover 50 shows or so. And uh, there's something you have, especially at a time when anything can get pulled at any time at all, and all that information is gone. So it's good to have a reserve of stuff to, at least maybe when we're all living in caves, you can pass on to your children with a little dynamo battery to play something on and teach them how it used to be and what happened and explain to them who was behind it and all the rest of it. Good information to have. And you think I'm kidding. But anyway, um, you know, as I say, that's what keeps me going. It's your purchases of the items I've got for sale and donations. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase uh, from uh, by using a personal check. You can use an international postal money order from your post office. PayPal for order or donation. If you want to order a book, just send the donation and a separate email with your name, address, and your order on it, and I'll get it out to you. Some people just send cash. And across the rest of the world, same idea, cash, uh, Western Union, uh, MoneyGram, PayPal for donations, and or to purchase. Send a separate email if you want to purchase and get, send the donation as a donation. Thank you very much. Um, we are flying through an agenda, flying through an agenda that literally was written, as I say, way back in the old days, the old days, 1800s even, where they knew where they were going to take society. They knew that they would uh, use a middle class for a while, for the early 1900s, and then start to alter them and wipe them out completely because they'd be dangerous at the end of it all. So you've watched the witness over a 100 years of the middle class being taken down piece by piece by piece. And even today's middle class is vastly different from uh, the middle class of the beginning of the 20th century, for instance. And most folk haven't a clue. We're born into our own time. Our lives are pretty short. We're kept running. We're bombarded with new news and wars and depressions and all that kind of stuff. And we don't get time to catch up and find out what happened even to your parents' days or your grandparents' days and how vastly uh, this is all changed by design, not by itself. Nothing happens societal-wise by itself. It takes big powers to make it be so. And big powers planned 
uh, a completely different society for the end of the 20th century. And they started the changes at the beginning of the 1900s and sped it up from there. This has been well documented by various authors, but even some of those in the inside who were all for it and who taught as part of the programs to get the changes going in universities, like Carl Quigley, who was also the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, as well as being one of the main characters to choose road scholars for world government, or world governance as they call it now. So there's nothing to me, uh, having read so much and so on over many, many years, to surprise me. The only thing that surprises you is how ignorant people stay, um, and every generation doesn't know. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about how generations don't really pass on information to the next. In fact, that's by design. At one time, you would have a grandpa or maybe even a great-grandpa, and you could ask him questions and talk to him, and he'd tell you things. And people had time in those days to talk, of course, because they didn't sit and watch television for indoctrination purposes. They actually communicated. A strange thing, that communication, isn't it? And they would tell them their, their family history, too, and what they'd been through themselves and the changes that they saw. And they'd tell you why, because they were far smarter. They knew what was going on, and they knew the con games that were getting pulled over them uh, by politicians and governments. They knew even about the League of Nations and the machinations they were up to and what their long-term goal was, because at one time they printed that stuff in the newspapers. So, so unfortunately, the, the, the big war had to divide the generations and uh, they certainly were very successful at that and even trained us again to dump the old folk in homes, which are really like exit homes, I call them, uh, so that they wouldn't communicate. Plus, you had the communists within the U.S. and other countries saying and, and teaching, actually, in the school, because uh, a lot of them were communists, no doubt about it, and professors, too. Uh, everyone knew the CIA knew it. Everyone knew who was who. But so they were teaching the students uh, don't believe anybody over the age of 30, and sometimes they brought it down to even younger. So that's what started the rebellion uh, of the youth. It wasn't a spontaneous thing that came from internal conflict at all. It was because they were having indoctrinations and made to feel very unhappy about the, the nasty previous generation uh, and blamed their parents personally for whatever had happened in the world. So everything literally is managed on a gigantic scale. And again, Lenin, Lenin said the same thing. You've got to have... The, the educational system completely under wraps to ensure the indoctrination is the right indoctrination for every generation. And you have to have the military sewn up and the police and give them special perks and privileges that the rest of them don't get. And that way you can't, you can control any revolution or revolt from below basically. So, but at the same time as this was going, as I say, it's fascinating to see the techniques that were used to destroy the values and the cultures of the Western world, especially, let's say, the UK and America. And within America, too, I classified Canada because they were all reading the same stuff, same magazines and all the rest of it. 
Uh, Harper's and all them belonged to the big boys, uh, that's the Milner Group, etc., that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They were spearheading uh, their ideology towards the women with the aid of Bernays, and we all know about Bernays, I'm sure if you listen to this show, and how they literally would work on unconscious emotions, desires, and through advertising. They were specialists in this, in fact, and they created, well, he created, along with the guys who employed him, the the consumer society. But they also altered the culture because it was a cultural war. And Carl Quigley, Professor Carl Quigley, in his own book, Tragedy and Hope, being the historian for the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, and who was all for the agenda, admits how it was done and uh, and how the, the magazines and the very early movies when Hollywood started up, the very early ones, right away went into action to make women dissatisfied with their lot in life, to make them think they should have it all uh, to such an extent that I actually knew people in Britain who literally nagged their husbands because they thought they should have all that stuff they saw in these movies, you know, the fictitious movies. They wanted that kind of reality. Well, Carol Quigley actually went into all of that in Tragedy and Hope towards the end of his book, how it was done and how they were made to feel dissatisfied and how they literally were taught via the movies and novels that were getting churned out all by the same people for the same purpose to nag their husbands into working harder and faster for more money or else they were gone and even got the idea of divorce from Hollywood. The whole culture in North America and across good parts of Europe, but definitely Britain, was under attack. And they didn't know it. They didn't know it. Those, the high professors in universities at levels, they knew it. The guys who owned the media, who were all, they're all Institute for International Affairs, they certainly knew it. Um, uh, the culture industry, in other words, they all knew what it was all about and where they wanted to go with it. Uh, you find that Quigley also admits that um, it was the culture industry in the very early ages, right up to 1920, when it was really getting off the ground. Uh, they brought in the, the short skirts and so on. That was the first sign of uh, to, to try and get women to copy them. They knew that the mass of people, ordinary people, op- they copy what they see above them, and so they give the, gave them the stars to emulate and the fashions to go with it, and the behavior too, by the way. And it, it's quite fascinating how it's never-ending, because they've never let go, have they? They've, the whole thing was to put men in the background and literally reverse the roles of who would be dominant in a home. There was to be no compromise of any kind. It was to be domination and that turned out to be so. And unfortunately, there's many, many psychiatrists and psychologists today who hear, I'm sure, every day their lives of women who went after careers and, and who eventually realized that they'd been conned into having it all and treating men really as second-class citizens. And that happens. Men became meek and mild. Hollywood churned out movies about the, the, bad, the bad man, the bad, sort of the bad white man, and uh, the movie Falling Down really was a good, a good um, one on that. When the guy at the end, when he doesn't realize it, he thought was one of the good guys, done all the right things. He's told by the cop, and, and he says, oh, you mean I'm the bad man, I'm the bad guy. Wow. So this was an incredible attack. And all media, really, and all fiction is meant to download you, alter your behavior, and have you be- behaving in a certain way. And if you adopt that posture that you're supposed to adopt 
that they're giving you to adopt, you will be treated like dirt, honestly, and walked over, ran over, and you'll be pretty useless to yourself. That was all intentional. We think of warfare as something that's uh, men finding men across a, a battlefield and flags going and all that stuff. No, that's only one type of warfare. There's about 99% of other ways that you deal with warfare and cultural destruction is the main one that you have to do. Destroying the culture, the values that makes the people strong, makes them cohesive, makes them stand up. All the things they'll stand up for must be destroyed. That has been pretty well accomplished. And we're given nothing but terrible, degrading stuff for movies today. It's kill, slaughter, kill, slaughter, and sex. Sex is with anybody and anything. And that's common fear for your, for your entertainment. Isn't that something else? Common fear. Your children watch it. How do you think they're going to grow up to be? We're bad enough with all our indoctrinations. But this is a, a deliberate technique of warfare, cultural warfare. You have economic warfare. You have many kinds of warfare that are just as, if not more important, in the final battle on the battlefield. And often you don't even need to get to the battlefield because you've already conquered millions of people without their knowledge. That's the beauty of psychological Warfare, intergenerationally, planned, executed, followed right through between the generations. We are watching the end of it today and living through what's left of it. But here's a, a very tame article, really, one of many that gets turned out. And it's a tech ticker. It says the U.S. middle class is being wiped out. Here's the stats to prove it. And it's July 15th. Uh, it says... Um, the 22 statistics detailed here prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the middle class is being systematically wiped out of existence in America. I can remember reading that in papers, international newspapers, maybe 20-odd, 25 years ago. Same thing. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer at a staggering rate. Once upon a time, the United States had the largest and most prosperous middle class country in uh, our history of the world, but now that is changing at a blinding pace. So why are we witnessing such fundamental changes? Well, the globalism and free trade that our politicians and business leaders insisted would be so good for us have had some rather nasty side effects. It turns out they didn't tell us that the global economy would mean that middle-class American workers would eventually have to directly compete for jobs uh, with people on the other side of the world where there is no minimum wage and very few regulations. That's China. Well, actually, they did say that 20 years ago. Uh, some people, did, I, I did too, even in, in my own areas and circles, that how on earth could you possibly made, be made to compete with someone working in China for a few cents a day even, never mind an hour? You can't. You can't do it. You see, all your leaders for generations of any party that gets up there all belong to the same big club. They're all pre-selected, they're all trained for their mission, and their job is to further destruct that which the previous party had going, to keep it going and for more destruction, always knowing what they had to do. Not one party ever stopped to try and change the monetary system, not one single party. They will never touch it. 
You know, there's been different books put out on the money and the banking systems of the central bankings. That was the con game to start with. And even how they took away the ability to, for central banks to even create their own money and how they, they farm it out. And you couldn't get it simpler and more easily presented to you than a, uh, one it's called, oh, Canada, uh, bought and sold, basically. I'll give you the, the link for this. It's up on Google. It's very good. A young guy did a very good uh, series of interviews with ex-prime ministers of Canada, all members of the, the CFR, and uh, the guys were in charge of Canada's financial affairs. He brought up all the right questions. He didn't get it all, mind you, but he brought up all the right questions. And you should hear all these characters, the guys who got us into billions of debt, who gave away the Bank of Canada's ability to print their own money themselves, and gave it to, you know, Canada's money is, most of it's printed in Germany. And one private company prints it in Canada. Then it's given to the banks. Back with more after these messages. Cutting through the matrix, just touching on some of the things that have happened over the last hundred odd years to get us to where we are today. And, and it wasn't happenstance, it took, it took world meetings, world meetings between the representatives from every country to, at, at attendance to come up with all the, well, they actually were told what the plans were and, and what their parts would be in it. But to get the whole, all these countries on board with the same globalized agenda at the same time, and throughout that period, too, they did away with any. Um, gold backing, at least in the banks, you know, they're issuing paper. They put it down to, to fractional reserve banking, so they only needed a fraction of the gold to cover all the money uh, and all that kind of stuff, until they ended up in Canada with none at all. They don't need that. In 98, I think it was, they literally says, okay, the, the banks themselves can just make money out of nothing, and each time you get a loan, they just create the magic numbers and give you a check and put it in your account. That's how money is created. And governments, too, um, rather than borrow um, from their own Bank of Canada, uh, end up borrowing from all these other uh, private banks abroad with compound interest because they're told to, you see. They know the agenda. But, you, but you'll actually hear on this, this video, oh, Canada, uh, Prime Minister saying that, that, that this massive debt is good for us all. You actually hear them saying that. Massive debt, unpayable debt, I mean, it's just slavery, is good for us all. Why? Because they're all members of the, the Canadian Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations. You see? One after another, of all parties, far left, far right, and all the rest of it, all things in between, they're all in there because they're all on board in the same club. There are, there is, there's no choice in the matter when it comes to voting. They're pre-selected, as Quigley said, and the plebes just vote for them in. Whoever sounds the best with the most promises is who gets voted in. That's how easy it is. But getting back to the culture and all the rest of it, uh, and destroying the culture, destroying the middle class, because it was a war, you must stage a war on the culture of a country you want to destroy. It has been done, has been successful. Look at the mess Britain's in, for instance, and other countries in Europe because of it. And even the statements of Tony Blair saying, I wanted to destroy the culture of Britain forever by literally making sure so many immigrants would come in at the same time, no time to adapt into what was left of the British, therefore they'd keep their own, you see. And uh, 
whatever's left of the British culture is just gone in history. It's finished, kaput. So that's how they do it. Back to this article here, the rehash of over years I've watched the rehashes of the middle class being destroyed. It says, why are we witnessing such fundamental change? And the globalism and free trade gets the blame for it here. And um, it says American workers would eventually have to directly compete for jobs with people on the other side of the world where there's no minimum wage and few regulations. The big global corporations have already benefited by exploiting the third world labor pools over the last several decades. But middle class American workers have increasingly found things to be very tough. Well, that's putting it mildly. And it goes into the giant sucking sound and so on and so on. This is the reality is that no matter how smart, how strong, how educated or how hard working American workers are, they just cannot compete with people who are desperate to put in 10 to 12 hours a day, a day at less than a dollar an hour on the other side of the world. After all, what corporation in the right mind is going to pay an American worker 10 times more plus benefits to do the same job? The world is fundamentally changing. Wealth and power are rapidly becoming concentrated at the top and the big global corporations are making massive amounts of money. And my goodness, it's incredible the money they're raking in and the banks. Meanwhile, the American middle class is being systematically wiped out of existence and U.S. workers are slowly being merged into the new global labor pool. And that is true. That is true. Remember, under this, this world free trade agreement, that is to be free trade of goods. Now, it's really a lie, as always, because we're always lied to especially by the ones who are doing it all to us, uh, and uh, is selected corporations only. If you put one up to, 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 to export things abroad, you try and do it and see if you get... No, if you're not in a club, you ain't getting anything out off the shores, believe you me. But it's also uh, the, removal, the removal across borders between of labor, the desired labor, and that's whatever they say they want. And you will find more and more coming this way over the next... 10, 15 years from other countries, maybe even China, as you're going off to try and find work abroad. That's exactly what um, we find that, that, that Jack Zatali said in his first book, and, and that was uh, Millennium Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order. And he should know he works at the United Nations. So that's, that's pre-designed before you were born. They knew they'd get to this stage and they, this world is one big business plan. And like any big business plan, it has its dates and its years, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, we'll do this and this and this and this and this. That's how they work it out. That's why everything comes together across Europe and the Americas at the same time. Everything must happen at the same time. That's why they must bring in a global crash at the same time. And do they change the system that caused it with, with the private banks lending to your own governments at compound interest? No. Why? Because, you see, you don't have a democracy. You've been trained to think you have, and yet everything that you've witnessed over your years should tell you you don't see any sign of it. There is an agenda you will definitely see all the signs and symptoms of being implemented all the time, what's politically correct and what isn't. But you will never get the agenda declared to you openly. But you'll keep getting the same lies when it's election time and they wrap themselves in your tribal flags, wherever they happen to be, and your tribal emblems and pretend they're really you. These internationalists, all of them. Back with more after these messages. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're back cutting through the matrix, just touching on a little bit, and it's so brief really to go through something so long and complex, it's not really complex even, it's just lengthy, of how the warfare was waged. And you can't do that in an hour show, you can't do it at all and give it any justice. But um, literally, as I say, the culture industry was a big, big part of it. And the advent of radio alone was an incredibly big part of it. And um, we had John Dewey, of course, went into the school system from the Frankfurt Group, etc. And he made sure that uh, the right indoctrination was taught. He also was a friend of Bertrand Russell, who did experimental schooling on pre-pubertal sex to see if they encouraged young children to have that and controlled uh, systems and schools, mainly from orphanages and so on he used, so as no one would complain. He got a royal, a royal charter to do it, though. Anyone else would have been hung. But uh, he did this, and he found that they wouldn't bond uh, if they had lots of partners before a certain age. This was all part of Dewey's uh, idea as well. He, he copied that and corresponded with Russell to try and push all that through as well. You have to emasculate the male in order to conquer a country when you're working through uh, cultural warfare and psychological warfare. And therefore, they were incredibly, incredibly, and I've witnessed a lot of it myself, uh, successful. We see how it is today until you can call the average American anything you want if he's male and he'll sort of cower or kind of look sheepish because he's been taught that really is almost a second-class citizen. And um, we've got so much priority hiring and special hiring uh, to try to outdo him that he's been put in the back seat, basically. And that's as simple as can be. It's as simple as can be. Not the best person gets the job anymore. It's not been that for a long time. It's the one with the right um, background. So getting back to this article here, they, they go on about... Um, the sucking sound and so on, and how they're doing the, the American workers out of work. That's part of it, the, the car plants as well. Uh, there's a lot to be said for the fact that they had it kind of easy for a long time. Um, GM, Ford, all the rest of them, because they did, um, didn't really put a lot of research and development in, into better products. The Japanese were allowed into the country with no restrictions whatsoever to be sold. Every other country could sell within the U.S., but the U.S. and Canada could not sell abroad. That's, that was intentionally to bring you down. When global agreements are done by your masters, the ones you vote in, uh, and slightly sign that on the line, um, this was intentional. So it says here, what do most Americans have to offer the marketplaces other than their labor? Not much. The truth is that most Americans are absolutely dependent on someone else giving them a job. But today, U.S. workers are less uh, attractive than ever. Compared to the rest of the world, American workers are extremely expensive, and the government keeps passing more rules and regulations seemingly on a monthly basis that makes it even more difficult to conduct business in the United States. Well, it's not because they're stupid bureaucrats. Never, ever think they're just stupid. You know, they'd love you to think that they screw, they screw up once in a No, no, no. No. The bureaucrats just take their orders from the top, and the guys at the top attend 
very, very intellectual think tanks and listen to all the recommendations and they implement them on the public. And then they come back and tell the bureaucrats what to do. There are no bungles like that go on in this kind of field. Believe you me. So, it says, what has developed is a situation where the people at the top are doing quite well, while most Americans are finding it increasingly difficult to make it. There are now about six unemployed Americans for every new job opening in the U.S., and the number of chronically unemployed is absolutely soaring. Uh, There simply isn't nearly not enough jobs for everyone. Why do you think they're all geared up, you know, for internal riots and stuff? Why do you think that uh, two or three years ago, the NATO think tank for Britain and NATO came out with their 50-year prognosis of what was to happen and where the hotspots would be, right down to the the need eventually to use neutron bombs, battlefield-sized neutron bombs on flash mobs of people, probably over food or whatever. They were talking about mainly the Western world, folks. And the U.S. Army think tank, about three or four months later, put out their own one, which was identical. Why is it identical? Because they both also work with the Rand Corporation and the other big private corporations that collect all your data. And that's why they've been building up an internal army. And that's why they're rushing ahead for all kinds of ID. Because, you see, they have no intention of pulling you out of this nosedive that we're all in. They plan to take you all the way through it. The simple as I don't care if they put Donald Duck in, he'll be a member of the CFR. And it's about time you guys out there caught that. Caught on to that in every country. There's not one prime minister, one president willing to touch the utterly corrupt banking system that they Actually, they're dictated to by. Because all the big banks going back into the Milner Group through the Royal International Affairs are still in existence today, running the CFR and owning all the big media. And it was those boys that weaned government's ability to create their own money away from them and told the boys that they put in instead as new politicians to borrow from private bankers the same private bankers that bankrupt the whole planet and then take your money, tax money, and your children's and grandchildren's to pay it back, knowing they can never pay it back. It's the creation of perpetual slavery. And I've went on about uh, communitarianism, how they've introduced it in Britain, you see, which was all the, the, the ideal system they talked about in the early days of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a return to a feudalistic society. Education, real education, was a dangerous thing for them to have because they lost control over it. The public, the, the ones who ran the public lost control over them. That's why you haven't been getting real education for about 50-odd years or more. You get indoctrination, yes, but not education. And they wanted a feudal system. A new feudal system, and Quigley said it. The new CEOs will, and overlords will be the CEOs. Uh, they'll be the CEOs, the overlords of an area or part of a country. That's already happened in Britain, 
where they've sold chunks of the coastline for foreign docks to be put in there for shipping lines owned by France and other countries. Who does the local council approach that's left? They go to the CEO of the corporation. The big boss, off with your hat, down with your eyes. Simple as that, folks. And that's eventually what they'll want to have here as they bring down the size of the planet and all the rest of it. If you think there's a particular people with an agenda of utter warfare upon you, you're right. You're right. You're correct. Absolutely. No problem about that whatsoever. And they're succeeding. Because everyone else is kept stupid and drunk and perverted even on what's called entertainment today. That's churned out for them to watch. The envelope keeps getting pushed every year, every year, every year until we're utterly degraded. And the males will adopt the, the masculine role, whatever that happens to be in the movies, and the females will adopt, adopt the female role from the movies. And we can see it in the streets. The social workers know all about it. So do the lawyers. So do the clinics that deal with venereal diseases, because it's utterly rampant. This is the end of a war that we're living through right now. And you know something? They'll be playing and playing to the bitter end, parting and playing, when plagues are released down the road. Or what definitely will happen, definitely will happen, is the rationing of food. That's coming in. When you're in your own communitarian little area, you see, and certain organizations have already trained your leaders, your new Soviet leaders, uh, they'll tell you, you know, well, the UN's distrib- distributing the food. They've only got so much for this little area that used to be called Manchester or something. Uh, what are we going to do about it? And then you have to deal with the problem. Well, I, I guess, you know, maybe the elderly should starve first. And that's what you're going to, that's not, I'm not kidding. These problems are going to be dumped on your shoulders. That is the plan, you see. It's not a guess from my part. It's not a guess. This system isn't intended to go on for any much longer. You know, only a domesticated animal, domesticated, would be oblivious to what's happening. And most folk are utterly, completely domesticated, regardless of all the signs around them. Utterly. On most of the, the, the newspapers in Canada and a lot of other countries across Europe, the front page for the last 25, 30 years has been sports, about a sports page. That's what you get for your main, that's your main news, folks. And folk think that's normal now. They haven't, they're utterly ignorant in what's happening on any other level. And the media and the television news is going to keep them just as ignorant forever. That's their job. But believe you me, uh, the next part is going to be awful. Uh, The uh, the chicken hasn't come home to roost yet for the last crash, the planned crash that uh, the the banks brought down on everyone. And I think it's in uh, January 1st. All the new taxes kick in for the U.S. to start this incredible, impossible task of paying off the debt. And I mean impossible. 
and everything out there, all services will be slashed to the bone. That is on the cards, planned that way. And then they'll turn around to you, and Obama will offer the U.S. citizenry the same system as Britain. Communitarianism, we are all little groups of peasants in your own little areas, you see. And they'll, they'll push all the problems and the debt, and they'll split up the debt and shove so much onto you. And you're supposed to sit and deal with it with your little panel of civilians there, with it specially selected. But you won't know it, leader, because they've all got, already got them trained, as they did in Britain, through their organizations. I noticed in that one for Britain, I read yesterday the article on communitarianism, um, that when I read the one, the speech that he did say after the one he said he will say, that's how they do it in Britain, they give out the speech first, and then the guy reads it the next day. It said, and philanthropists will be involved. Exactly what they've been saying for 50, 60 years, bringing us to a stage where great philanthropists, like, you know, George Soros will be an overlord, you see, who uh, appoint certain people as leaders for your community. And you'll have to go to the banks as a community and borrow money, you see, for your, your heating or your oil to heat yourself or whatever that you're using or natural gas. All worked out long, long, long time ago, folks. That's why this script is awfully boring to folks like me. Terribly boring. Because you always know what's coming. You always know what the next step is going to be and the step after that and that and that. And the right books, they publish it. Mainly to their own adherents, through their own foundations. And have done for 80, 90 years. No one reads them, though, except the ones who are generally member of the groups. But you'll find the books out there. I got a whole load of books that a bank had dumped out. A big bank in Toronto. Because they have their private stash, you see, of books for their, for their higher employees. And I remember going through a lot of this stuff and the books that they had. I just wonder why would these far, far left radical for change destroy the culture foundations like Guggenheim and all the rest of them and Rockefeller publish these books for banks, for, for the higher employees of banks to read? Well, I found out very quickly why. They're all part of it. They'll work together. There's no separateness in this bunch at the top. Everyone is always on board. Presidents and prime ministers are selected years before you'll ever hear their name mentioned as they go forward for their candidacy. Every single one of them. And they all have psychopathic traits. They're well tested to to lie, and they they lie with ease. And they aren't terribly relevant, really. They, they do well with more money coming in once they've left their office by going round universities and talking and keeping the con game of democracy alive and telling lots of more lies when they're asked uh, real questions. And as I say, you'll see that on that old Canada disc, which I'll put the link up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. It's the best expose, simple, very, very simple, of how every country's banking system works because this is exactly the same as the U.S., and Britain and elsewhere. But at least in this one, they actually talk to the guys who ran the system, including prime ministers. And here, these guys lie, even today, is quite something. And to hear them say that, that they're owing about $160 billion in debt every day is a good thing for the people. 
amazing. Eh? Why do they say that? Because they're pleasing their bosses. These guys are still owned. They know darn well if they were ever to tell the truth, they'd be kellied very quickly. And Dr. Kelly was certainly dealt with very quickly before he could speak at the high court. And that's what happens to them. Private banks are really in charge. They're authorized to be in charge of much higher levels than governments are. And they're run by an organization worldwide incredibly powerful that plan the centuries, plan the cultures, plan the wars of attack on different cultures, and they pull it through by putting their own people in at the right time. It's amazing how the whole world, especially what was the developed world, is pulled down systematically at the same time in the same areas. That is not by chance. Down to linguistic minimalism on television and for children. Once you're in linguistic minimalism, you can't express an idea. You can't express hurt, pain, suspicion, or anything else. You cannot be uh, a leader if you can't use your vocabulary to get across to people, to sway them, to follow you. You can't do it. That's been awfully successful there. The modern hero is a guy with a big, big, massive gun and lots of steroids, uh, having lots of sex, and slaughtering as many folk as he can, like a, a, some character in some game they're playing, who says very little except uh, the word that begins with F and S, and that's it. That's by intention, folks. You don't want to expand your mind, they want to contract it. Back with more after this break. <laughs> this break. <laughs> I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, I'm going to put out some other links up too tonight to the end of the show, cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, and one is on NSA, the National Security Agency, that does most of the spying on its own citizenry. But uh, they come out now with uh, the plans for a $5.2 billion expansion in the U.S. uh, of a a new complex they're, they're setting up. Uh, at Fort George. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite amazing how they're going ahead because it's very important to make sure they keep uh, tracking everything we say, do, or type, or whatever else. It's so important to go ahead with that. And you're going to get your new, as I say, your new internet ID shortly from Obama, who's just given $24 million, I think, to Kenya. Uh, it's because of an election coming up there, and he wants to make sure with this $24 million and they get the right people in, they'll go forward in family planning, which is abortion, of course. So he's heavily involved in making sure the people across the world are, are going to have all the benefits of what has become the norm of America and by using your tax money. But that's only a little place where he's using it. He's using, using it all over. In fact, some countries are even kept afloat by U.S. money and have been for years. And also, um, another article on the bankers who are now 
speculating so much on food, they're causing starvation in different parts of the world because the, the food's okay, the, the prices were normally okay, but they're holding it back to speculate, to jump up the prices. Been doing that for ages, but that's what these fantastic banking people do, those folk with a strange banking gene that goes way back into time, as we all know. And uh, new EU uh, regulations, that's the European Soviet bloc, uh, where Britons are getting uh, new cops come in from the EU government itself, from any country, into Britain to arrest people in Britain. And so, in other words, they override your what was your national police and, and all the rest of it. They can go right in there and just investigate, take DNA, take out the country to wherever they want to. That's the wonders of being Sovietized, the Novu Soviet. Uh, so much, as I say, is going on that it's, it's rather amazing. Uh, there's even another one that came out too where Ben Laden, the, according to the CIA, declassified stuff really had nothing to do with 9-11. Uh, first end I've mentioned that uh, from their own evidence and um, and all those uh, fuzzy videos, videos that came out later uh, obviously were fake. If, if he was dead in 2000, they believe, then obviously his ghost didn't come back and make the videos with the CIA translators telling us all kinds of things they wanted us to believe at the time. Also, at the very end, I mentioned that uh, there was a new eco-tax for Canada. They just stuck it on and gave it to a private agency, so all your items would get this eco-tax, uh, giving it, of course, to their friends. And uh, it's just been uh, denounced as illegal. So I think from the 6th uh, uh, next month or something, or anyway, later on, in a few weeks, it's going to be taken off again. They'll, they'll, they'll simply stick it on something else instead because these, these, these rats never give up with their con games. I was reading too how from that old Canada one, how they built, I think, 401, I think it was in Toronto for, I think it was 101 million or billion dollars. And then when they raffled it off to their friends, Privatized it, they give it for free, but three million, not bad deal, eh? That's what they do with everything that you make from the public. That's what they do for, we lived in gangsterism. From Hamish and myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God. All your gods go with you.